Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and today I have another compact athlete on the podcast. We have Abby Willis. Welcome, my lovely. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. Good. So, we're going to chat about Abby in particular, obviously. So you've done loads of different federations. You've competed many of times. You are a personal trainer, an online coach, a posing coach. So there's so many different things we're going to be talking about. So things from how to get the most out of your home workouts, competing abroad. Obviously, this is like we will be able to compete abroad again. Um, so it's always good to kind of know a little bit tips. Um, switching different federations, and we'll just probably chat about other stuff as well. So for people that don't know who you are, babe. Give a little lowdown, um, competing history, wh- how you got into it. Okay, so um, for you guys that don't know me, um, my name is Abby, obviously, um, and I have been competing for four years. I started when I was n- just before I turned 18, so I started really, really early, really early. Um, and yeah the way I got into it I basically I went to see a UK BFF show um at the time I was still at performing arts college so before this I was a professional dancer um and yeah I just went to view one and it was where was it in Portsmouth Who was you the, what's that who were you watching UK BFF no was there like someone in particular you went to go see oh no no like I was just we were just we just saw it going on um and at the time one of my friends competed and they invited me to go and see it and I was like oh yeah what is that I've never been to a bodybuilding show thinking it'd be like a dance show (laughs) so very very naive to the situation and but anyway I went and I watched and I saw these girls on stage who just had these most the most incredible physiques and I turned to my friend I was like I want to do that I want to look like that at the time I was I was very straight up and down no curves very um cardio based obviously from dancing so um no real muscle (laughs) and I just I just saw these girls and I was like what like wow that looks incredible how do I achieve that how do I achieve that look and and my friend was like go to the gym I was like gym <laughs> I was literally like what's gym um <laughs> and uh yeah and it all started from there really and it was about six months later that I stepped on stage for the first time and actually in my first year I stepped on stage eight times um oh, eight yeah times eight times in my first year right you don't because, you don't half mate no <laughs> I was just to be honest I didn't know the difference between like fitness model and bodybuilding shows. And then once I did learn the difference, I didn't know which one I preferred or which one I suited better. Um, so in the beginning of the year, I did four shows and I got invited to the finals of all of them later in the year. So that's how it kind of went back to do them again and why I competed so much. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't know where I kind of sat in the industry, whether it was that more modelly type or whether it was the bodybuilding type. But anyway, I just let it kind of flow uh, from show to show. And then after the finals in the late half of that year, I got invited back uh, from PCA for their first ever international pro show, which was at Body Power. 
So that kind of put me in the route of bodybuilding um, instead of the fitness model shows. So then I did those. Um, I had a great year with PCA, um, placing top five in their international pro show. And I had lots of successes that year with PCA, but I kind of, um, I, I missed the kind of free freeness of posing and the freeness of um the fitness model shows so I ended up actually going back to where NFM came around because I saw next fitness model um as a show the following year and that's how I got in with them and my journey really internationally started with them um so from there we did that show we did the finals of them and I got invited to the GBO pro show over in um Fort Worth Texas um which I came top two uh, <laughs> and then I got invited back the following year which was last year for the um GBO Worlds again uh in their pro show which was in Oklahoma City and again I placed top two so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Going <laughs> slightly back when you're first yeah. in your eight shows which mm -hmm. federations you mentioned PCA which other federations did you actually delve into as well? Okay, so I started with a, it was a one-off uh, federation, which is called um, uh, Atlas, which is uh, just a just a single bodybuilding show. They only do one a year. Um, and then I did UKUP, mm -hmm. uh, Pure Elite, and Glifting Girls. So what sort of differences did you fine not just I guess with the general style but potentially like how they're run was there did, did you find that the different like atmospheres so I think back in that time it was not like kind of seeing you didn't see many people switch from different federations to different federation back from when you first competed I don't think I think people were still kind of sticking to one and that was it so what sort of differences did you kind of see across all of them um, well, obviously, criteria was very different between between the shows, and it actually gave me a lot of information and a lot of knowledge from doing all those shows to find out kind of what the differences are. Um, so when you're doing a fitness model show, it was about everything, head to toe, presentation, you can be judged on your hair, your makeup, your tan, your accessories, your shoes, your bikini, um, whereas then you got like judges feedback from the the bodybuilding more structured show like PCA and UKBFF um, and it is generally based solely on what your physique looks like and though overall presentation is taken into the whole criteria and the judging it's not it's not going to knock your marks right down to the bottom if you have got the the best physique on stage which you're obviously showing through your posing um, and I guess that taught me a lot is um, that every federation has their own kind of structured posing um, and you really need to to follow that to um, to show off your physique in the right way to, to get those points up. Yeah, definitely. So you did you coach yourself? I know you coach yourself now but did you coach yourself back then as well? Um, so when I first started, I was coached by um, Team Crevero um, coaching. So uh, very independent uh, coach, but very very talented in what he in what he did. Um, and then from there, I kind of we worked together in a way that I I could coach myself 
and he had the input so it was that kind of like weekly check-ins and things but I had role of kind of my plans and things like that because when going back when I was at dance college we did do um nutrition and training for that but I also in my summer break from there studied for my personal training um qualification so I was a little bit knowledgeable at the time when it came to um training uh but obviously I needed that help to start with um, and yeah from there I've just kind of took taken my own rails and and done that ever since I think it's such a I don't know I, I don't think I could coach myself into a show personally um like what sort of what is it kind of what challenges have you found and what benefits have you found with coaching yourself throughout all your shows not all your shows but a good majority of your shows yeah so um the, the challenges are really having that person to just bounce off of um, and get the feedback each week to tell you whether or not you're on the right track. You have to be very, very honest with yourself. Um, when it comes to coaching yourself, you can't just let yourself off, um, which I think generally is a very big human trait. We're just like, oh, we'll be all right. Oh, that'd be fine. Oh, we can skip that cardio. We can skip that leg day. It's being really really honest with yourself and really really precise in what you're doing um so rout routine and structure for me was essential throughout the whole time that I've I've ever prepped myself which I think is a trait I definitely learned through the kind of dance uh, performing arts profession because it's such a dedicated profession um very similar to bodybuilding and it's very um you have to you have to be hard on yourself because if you if you stop if you if you don't go training if you don't continue stretching then you're going to lose lose what you have um, and it's the same when it comes to prep if you miss a day um, miss a week um, you're going to have to catch up on that and you have to crawl back up um, so yeah it is is hard to coach yourself definitely but if you are really 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 honest with yourself um and really precise in what you're doing then then it can be done yeah. do you advise people with no experience at all consider coaching themselves no definitely not <laughs> um just because it is very specific bodybuilding and and that's exactly why i had a coach to start with um and built up my knowledge in it i didn't just jump right in um because like I said, it's, it's specific. It's not your average. I'll just go to the gym. I'll just eat a little bit healthier. It's very, very, um, precise, dedicated, and you do need, need to know the ins and outs of how things will react with your body when it comes to food, when it comes to training. So yeah, if you're starting up, definitely, definitely essential to, to get a coach. I think so. I think so as well. It's not one of those things that you can kind of just search on Google and just kind of too much there's too much on google um yeah. to just just try and find the right way uh, there's too much information definitely well don't call it my first proper show but technically my first show the fit factor one when i was how old would i be 21 i think oh, yeah. yeah i've been doing about 20 21 i was at uni went in for fit factor like whatever and i tried to do that i tried to just kind of search online and all this sort of thing and it didn't let's just put it this way it didn't say anything <laughs> watch my instagram story yesterday you would know exactly what i'm on about um, yeah. 
but yeah it's just it's yeah if you want if that's the goal then great but i do agree i don't think your first show oh sorry if you can hear my dog go mad as usual as soon as i get a podcast on he just starts barking um i think if what was i saying yeah just i think it's good to get that knowledge and understanding from someone who knows what they're talking about and then potentially further down the line consider that avenue or maybe once you've done a reverse with your um, coach and you want to off-season your, like, do off-season yourself, then great. But I do agree. Yeah. I think going head deep into it mm-hmm. is always the best idea, especially if you're completely new to this and you're not really that sure. If you Another thing you could do as well is maybe you have like consults with people, um, like different coaches. That's kind of like a different avenue. But yeah, I do agree with you on that one. Yeah. And it's all those, it's all those little things as well that you don't know, just like about show day It's having like a show day list of things you need. And, um, it's the tiny little details more than anything that then a coach really becomes essential for just to keep, just for keeping you calm and and collected, especially if it's your first show day, you just know exactly what you need to do, exactly what you have, um, and have to take with you. Yeah, definitely. So you've been competing for four years, yeah? Roughly. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. How do you think both the industry in general and obviously I won't talk about like figure class and all the different classes, but obviously you do bikini. So over the past four years, how do you think both the industry has changed and how do you think the bikini class has changed and evolved as well with that? So I think the biggest change is probably um, criteria. Uh, criteria is definitely, definitely changed. I posted actually on my story today a picture of my one of my first shows, which was PCA. And I actually, I actually won that show. And it was out of, I, there was 15 plus girls on stage. And if I stepped on stage now in PCA's bikini class, I wouldn't even get a look in. Honestly, I would not get a look in because I think every year the standard goes up um, and whether that's a good thing or not, I'm not too sure um, when it comes to, to criteria, but people um, are really stepping up their game when it comes to muscle mass, getting leaner um, and things like that. People are seeing the potential of their own bodies and the bodies of those on stage and beating it every single year. So I think... Uh, the criteria gets harder every year um, and the actual look of bikini now gets harder every single year. Um, I mean, you look at like Miss Olympia, um, Issa, for example, her waist, I mean, geez, <laughs> it's absolutely tiny. But now people are looking at her for that inspiration. And that is because that is one of the top, it is the top bikini uh, show in the world. And everyone will aim aim for that so I think you know the challenges are um obviously genetical limitations but also um yeah it just it just changes every single year and it just gets harder I think I think as well when you mentioned about Issa I don't think it's just her weight I think it's how big how lapped are and oh yeah (laughs) consider as well isn't it it's it's not just genetically she's got a small waist or whoever you're looking online has got that small waist. It's how good they're able to flare those lats out and make sure they've still got a pop in their glutes to create that illusion. Like it is all illusions. I think it is a combination yeah. of 
um, people are getting more leaner, people have got more muscle mass, but on top of that, people are better to pose better so they can present themselves and give that illusion a little bit better as well, I think. Because like a few years ago, you would never have seen a lap kind of pop like that. I oh, don't no. No, no. I mean, like, again, when I first started posing, I think there was one posing coach around that I knew of. Um, and it just wasn't a thing. There was no kind of structure to posing. It was just, right, face the front, face the side, face the back. Um, and I, I didn't do a lat spread for the, the first half the year I I um, competed it was always just hands on side just squeeze back as hard as you can and there was no real real information of what you were actually squeezing or what you were actually doing you were just facing facing the back and trying to show show off any sort of muscle that you had um but over the years definitely um people have got more talented at posing and I think that's down to the amount of posing coaches there have been and how the structure of posing has improved from federation to federation um, and the information more than anything yeah and in the industry in general how do you think that has changed over the four years you've been competing I think it's definitely got more friendly Um, And I think that's down to um, like these podcasts and like compact and people reaching out to one of one another. Um, When I first started, I really, I remember messaging girls that maybe I I looked up to at the time and I would never get a reply or, or or anything, or it'd be very short and blunt or like just train harder. (laughs) You know, there was, there was no information. There was no company to go to for any sort of information. And yeah backstage even when I first started it wasn't it wasn't half as friendly as it is now you wouldn't be taking a picture with the person that you're going to be stepping on stage stage next to in five minutes time but now I think it's definitely more respected from competitor to competitor and we have got that mutual respect that it doesn't matter what happens on stage we can still we can still connect and we can still become and make really really good friends through the industry um without it affecting what happens on stage um so yeah I think I think that's changed massively is is the the connection between people Mm. I think so I do agree with that do you feel like you've obviously you've competed both in the UK in the and in the US do you think there's differences backstage like the atmosphere potentially um what key differences could you probably say to people between competing abroad and competing in the UK um I think obviously I've only experienced America and I think I I love Americans (laughs) and I that's a very wide wide thing to say but they are so they are so accommodating and um I think actually more than the UK shows they like everyone meets up backstage, everyone is taking a million photos with each other, everyone's hugging, they're it's just it's just mental it's mental backstage um I I just think they like our English accent to be honest (laughs) so they just want to chat to you it's not even like a show day everyone's just having these normal conversations and then suddenly you're lining up to go on stage um but yeah I internationally wise it's um it's nice to have that um obviously we speak the same language so it's easy to communicate um I think other international shows will probably be 
be a lot harder because of that um that language barrier when it comes to stage day and talking to other people um but yeah from my experience over in america it's it's awesome in terms of tips for people competing abroad as well what sort of mm. like hacks and tips have you found the past two times you've competed have been quite helpful for you yeah so my my first time abroad um to the u.s was in 2018 um, and obviously the flight over there itself is a very long flight it's around 10 and a half hours to Oklahoma anyway um, so I remember panicking before I went of going like what am I going to eat on the plane obviously there's a lot to do with um, carbs and glycogen and air pressure and things like that I was just petrified of swelling up on the airplane and then having to step on stage two days later. I think anyone that's been on a flight before will know that feeling of just holding a lot of water when you arrive at your destination. And it does only last a few days, but that few days when it comes to a competition is absolutely crucial. And so on the flights, I would always stick to proteins and fats. And I actually did not eat any carbs, which of course I was knackered by. But by the time I got there, I waited two hours when I arrived just to let my body settle. And then I continued my meals as normal. And um, it's also good to research um, what food you can get when you arrive. And if you can get the, the things that you normally eat. Um, so I did a lot of research into like Walmarts and things like that in America just to check kind of macros. So I knew what I was going to get for my diet as soon as I got there. And I think it helped obviously last year because I had already had the experience from the year before of knowing, knowing what food I was going to be putting in my system and what I knew would sit right with me and um, because obviously you've got to check even meats and stuff like that some of them in different stores can hold so much more salt or or different calories so you've just got to double check and be resourceful and just know know before you go know before you go <laughs> yeah in America I think um we a few years ago we had Austin come over for a seminar and they just couldn't believe like that we didn't have any all the added like e numbers preservatives all those different things in foods and also mm -hmm. how small our um fruit and veg was in comparison but because we don't we can't pump it with all these added stuff so that is something to, to potentially consider um yeah i would have never thought of even like cereal i swear like cereal sometimes over there has quite a lot of added stuff in it as well Reminds oh yeah everything everything and that's what and there is there is stuff there that doesn't and there is stuff that is really good but it's knowing which is which and it, you know you're already tired by the time you get there you're 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 low because it's right at the end of your prep you just want everything sorted you don't want to have that stress so just knowing exactly what you're looking for in that supermarket is just so so helpful and trying to avoid all the sweets and chocolate and <laughs> other stuff that they sell <laughs> yeah, that is very very true so moving on to obviously the situation that we're in right now um, a lot of people are doing home workouts like yourself uh, we had a conversation before this recorded of people that were still trying to offer their home sessions and one-to-ones at home were like god sake have you not got the memo now mate just no, no. just no basically please stop please stop <laughs> worth it it's not worth it 
definitely not. But there is going to be a lot of limitations, a lot of people that are kind of worried right now as to how to progress when they are doing these home workouts, what to do. Like I personally don't have the craziest amount of kit um, at home right now. We've tried to order some, but it's gone from, yeah, it'll come on Saturday to, oh, we've got to wait another month. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we need um, it now. So what sort of things would you advise and what sort of things have you been doing as well when it comes to the home workout sort of realm? Because I can't, I don't know about you, my feed is full of home workout stuff at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think everyone is jumping on the bandwagon. I, I know I have myself um, and I think it's important to, in this industry, keep that positive energy and keep these ideas rolling, especially mm. over the next coming weeks. I see an influx right now, but I'm worried in two, three weeks time, everything slows down. Um, and that's when we really need that extra, extra push to keep going and keep fitness as part of our schedule um, right now we're lucky enough to be able to get, get outside and go for a, one walk a day or one run one form of exercise on your own <laughs> or with someone in your household um, but yeah so when it comes to home workouts like you said it's really hard to get that progressive overload especially if you don't have big heavy weights which actually I don't um, obviously I'm quite lucky I have my studio in the back which I only made literally end of last year so it's very new new for me um but in there it's a posing studio it's not a gym it doesn't have equipment um so I have had to get very much creative um but yeah like I said progressive overload is not going to happen if you do not have have heavy weights but there are ways of still progressing without extra weight whether it comes to more sets it comes to isometric holds it comes to pulses um just more time under tension uh, is going to be really really beneficial at this point for everyone's workouts and i think i saw a post today and it said you know right now we shouldn't be when no one is um you know doing this to get ready for a holiday or to get ready for a competition unless you've got a competition you know after this is all over but no one right now has got a small term goal where it comes to you know getting fit for something so right now it is much more about our mindset and it's for for our sanity throughout the day and um, uh, I know for myself I normally work in the gym uh, eight to ten hours a day on my feet all day and right now how how am I supposed to stay on my feet for eight to ten hours a day well I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not just going to stand around <laughs> pretending, pretending I'm coaching people. Um, so for me, it's keeping, keeping some sort of fitness for, for my general everyday sanity, because my routine has been completely changed as so many others have. Um, and it's important for me, for me, for my mental health also to keep, to keep moving. Mm. That's true. It's very true. So when it comes to getting in the zone, that sort of stuff is probably going to be a lot harder for people when you're used to having, you know, the atmosphere of the gym, music going, that's your routine. Like, how do you get, like, what sort of things can you advise people to get in the zone when you're just going into the next room and you haven't got that, you know, that laser focus like you might which might be easier to do basically when you are in like a gym setting or if you have got a one-to-one -one. uh what sort of things would you recommend on that front 
Yeah, absolutely. If you do have um, the facility at home to have a different room from, say, the one that you are either working in or you are doing your chill time in, so potentially not your bedroom, it's not going to be the most beneficial place because I know that I'll just go and lie on the bed for a bit and then not get back up um so if you do have that luxury of having a different space whether that is even on your driveway or or literally anywhere that is not another working space if you have that luxury do it in that space because at least then you can't <laughs> you can't be um tempted to just give up and that's that's another another thing it's so easy at home to just give up and go to the fridge or <laughs> or um carry on with a different task maybe you haven't done the laundry and that comes into your mind so you really do have to to zone into exactly what you're doing which then comes have a plan you have to have a plan else you're not going to have a successful workout if you do not tell yourself that you're going to do one minute of each exercise and you have five exercises and you've chosen those five exercises and you're going to do it three times through you're not going to do that if you just keep on going oh just do a few sit-ups and a a bit of a press up and oh that'll be enough and then come back and yeah it just kind of becomes great doesn't it yeah you're not going to have a successful workout at all um and I mean even me this morning I did a stretch um outside um in my garden and there's bees going around and I was get I was I felt myself wanting to get distracted and run away from these bees um, <laughs> <laughs> mainly but you know I I can really zone in into exactly what I'm doing and I think that's that's key right now you have to be completely and utterly focused on the task at hand which is your workout whether that's a stretch whether that's a hit class whether that's a weight training session exactly what your body is doing and right now we don't have the luxury of these machines that we do in the gym say like your leg extension these really um individual and specific machines for specific muscle groups we don't have those right now and if you do you're very lucky (laughs) but we um we generally don't so while we're working out say doing a squat we really need to focus on the body part we're using i think i can talk for a lot of people you can get through a workout and think oh what what actually did i did i just train like i just jumped around a bit but you know you know what what am I actually focusing on what is the specific muscle group that I want to be working right now can I feel that can I squeeze that can I can I hold that um you know when it comes to hip thrusts and things like that you can be doing a hip thrust but you can be using your quads and your back if you're not concentrating on using your glutes and your hamstrings so it is really zoning in to using those specific muscle groups I think so I think I, that's something that I struggle with. Like some, I find that some certain part body parts I can really dial in. Other ones, I'm just like, ah, this is annoying. <laughs> like, and something else takes over. So I think it could be quite a good chance for people to kind of, I guess, go down to basics. Oh yeah, mind muscle now, because then when you go back into the gym, you've got those foundations that you can kind of bring in. And I think sometimes when you go into gym, you potentially might not put as much focus on that because you know that you're going to be lifting something heavy anyway you kind of think oh it's most likely going to be working it if that makes yeah. sense yeah and I mean there's a lot of studies that um have gone into kind of um internal concentration and external um now there is no like proven factor that internal um focus 
really benefits your workout more than external focus but external focus right now is going to be our our biggest problem and and when it comes to studies and things like that external focus is the key to having a good or not or not good workout and uh, that's why it is so important to to have that area and have that zone where you can you can just focus on the task at hand and nothing externally is is um, interrupting your workout yeah i think as well if you can try and i found this i'm but I found it quite difficult the first couple of sessions I've done. It's just getting, I take, I'm taking ages and I don't even know why. But then when I think about it, I'm like, I'm not, it's, it's having those set rest times. It's like, right, mm -hmm. six seconds, that's it. And then I go straight in again. Yeah, um, a timer is going to be someone's best friend right now. And we, we have the luxury of having that on our phone. You know, it's not old stopwatches anymore. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we have it. <laughs> we have one on our phone. There's plenty of apps out there that, that work as amazing kind of right 60 seconds work 30 seconds rest focus on that timer and nothing else comes into the equation definitely so how many before this obviously when you were in the gym how often was you training so right now i was training for uh weights wise four days a week how are you changing that now you're doing more home stuff are you kind of sticking to the similar sort of set up like what is your approach going into this now so for me um i'm trying to keep routine as normal as possible as i'm sure many people are and um, so i'm still training four days a week um however i've kind of changed my session so normally i would train um quads um shoulders um hamstrings and then uh, a pull session and um, but right now i'm doing um, I'm still splitting up my leg days, but I'm keeping upper body as a full upper body instead, um, instead of push and pull, just, just a little bit of a change, just because there is, um, I mean, there's plenty of, uh, exercises you can do for, for each, each of those. But for me, I'm finding a, a better benefit of doing full upper body than, than splitting it down. Yeah, I think so. I've been doing this, something kind of similar actually. Well, I've not done my plan. Cows done my plan, but yeah. <laughs> um, something we haven't actually covered is you have been. I don't know. Actually, if we can't talk about this, let me know. And I will edit this bit out. But you've been getting your judging. I don't know if that's the right word. Judging qualification is that the right word to say? Can we talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. That's, that's absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us about that. What sort of processes have you got into? Because I think for some federations, what I've seen is kind of, sounds harsh, anyone can be a judge. You can kind of roll up and be like, yo, I want to judge. Whereas obviously mm -hmm. you've had to go through certain like procedures and it's quite interesting. And I think it'd be interesting for people to understand like maybe certain things that you've learned because you've been a judge now and you've been the competitor. What sort of insights could you give people for that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So my first judging experience came from the NFM, actually, because if you win their show overall two times, you can be an assistant on the judging panel, which just means you take place of someone um, if they can't judge a category. If you um, if one of the judges has maybe a client in the category or whatever, you step in for their role so you kind of assist the judging panel and that's kind of where you start out um but like i said you have to win 
the overall twice um, and they've put that in place because that shows if you can win the overall which the overall is the person who has uh, has been the most specific to criteria um, then you know what the criteria is right so so that's why they put you in put you in for that that option and it also gives the athlete somewhere to go after they they want to stop competing and obviously now um i don't compete with the nfm anymore because um i compete with the gbo um which is their affiliate they're they're above level as such um that leaves me to be able to compete with the um judge for the M nfm sorry um because i'm not competing with them anymore which I think is a is a key thing. You can't really judge for for a show if you 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 still want to step on that stage. I yeah. think that's a big thing. Um, but anyway, from there, I actually um, got uh, recommended by by um, the head judge for the NFM to the amateur league of the GBO over in America because of my work on the judging panel and how specific and picky I am <laughs> when it comes to criteria. Um, so yeah, they, they, um, they popped me over to them and they got in contact and over in America, they have a big exam that you have to take. Um, so you take a, a long, long, long <laughs> exam, um, which goes into extreme detail of every single class. Um, and you have to do so many case studies and things like that. It's, it's honestly it's one of the biggest projects I've ever had to do. How, um, long like, how long is this actual exam? So it was about 42 pages long, I think, 42 pages long. And that didn't include like all the writing that you had to for it and yeah and <laughs> like actual scenarios so then I had to like case study the um the later show NFM last year and and things like that so yeah it took a really really long time and I think I was doing it for about four to five months I was going through this exam um and at the end of the exam if you pass that that bit which apparently a lot of people don't but I don't know how true that is. Um, after that bit, you you then have to be watched by the head judge of the America shows, the America amateur shows, um, and you have to be watched and evaluated actual live judging, which I did in Las Vegas this year. <laughs> so really like, or I, I feel quite nervous judging anyway, but then to know that you're judging someone, but then you've got someone literally behind you judging you, like, does that not feel like absolutely terrifying? Oh, it was so much pressure. <laughs> but um, no, it, do you know what? By that time, I was so comfortable with what the criteria was and what they were looking for um, in that federation that I, I was confident. I was really confident in my choices. And I think that's, that's how it should be, um, which a lot of judging panels, like you said, um, you see some of them where they get pretty much anybody on the judging panel there and I don't know I've even been on judging panels for for different federations um which we have been given no criteria until the day and then they're like oh just you know and it and, and that's when it gets really really tricky and um and you do get those uh fighting views from obviously other people on the panel and I think that's why it's so important you have these specific criterias and exams as such in place so everyone is on the same page because mm. 
like we said, the criteria has changed so much over the years and we want to keep it, keep it to criteria as much as possible because that's what the athletes are going off, isn't it? Is yeah. you, you look up what the criteria is for that category and that's what you aim your body to look like. So it's important that we try and keep that consistency up throughout every show. Um, but yeah, Las Vegas was, was amazing um, when it came to getting to judge there. Um, and yeah, having that looking over my shoulder, uh, shoulder wasn't, wasn't such a bad thing, but I think the whole experience has made me definitely a, a better judge. Yeah. Like, have you ever had situations where there's been super, super oh, this is just, doesn't matter what the federation is that you've judged for in the past, like this is completely open. Have you had situations where the, where someone's placed someone first, someone else has been placed fourth? Like how, like when it's that conflicting, how do you come to some sort of resolution, I guess? Well, for the UK federations, um, as such, you, you can discuss between, between judges, you can discuss your opinions, and you do always try and highlight back to the criteria um, when it does come to that situation where, where you're not all in agreement, you always do try and revert back to, right, let's all look at the criteria right now and, and go off that. Um, when it comes to America, you actually don't discuss between judges your scores um, and you have to fill out a little form and pass it along to a, um, oh, what's she called? Uh, someone that adds up all the scores um, and, and just, uh, just what's the word i can't think of it i know what you mean but basically someone that collects them all and just adjudicator yeah that one is yeah. it yeah <laughs> um so she does that and um, but you never talk on the judging panel everything is completely um you and that piece of paper um and then if something does come back that looks wrong um and this this is a great thing again because you know if someone's putting someone as fourth um, when everyone else is putting them at first, they might be not so connected to that criteria. And then the head judge of that show then goes back and talks to them about it and see, sees what happened and, you know, why you, you pitched that and, and so forth to get you back on that route of everyone should be on the same page because everyone knows that criteria. Mm. That's interesting. I think people find it difficult, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm screwing my words. So I think <laughs> people find it difficult when they go for feedback sometimes. And I, in my head, I think the judge has been, had the literally the longest day. Do you remember every single competitor, like realistically? And what would you advise? Like, do you advise people on the day to come to you for feedback, or do you advise them to contact, providing the stage photo? And going off that because it kind of will prompt your mind like obviously you're not talking for anyone you're just talking for yourself like what do you think like what do you find is best for people to do if they want feedback i think like you said obviously the judges have had a very long day and they've had to be mentally active all day um, you really have to be right there in the moment. Um, and that's the thing as well, when it comes to doing the categories, you're in that moment then, and you're not in that moment, 10 categories down. So you are not primed to give that feedback right there and then, um, unless you've written it down as you go, which a lot of, lot of us do. Um, and in 
the US actually we have to write um, feedback sheets as we go um, so in the finals of the thing yeah really really challenging but you get given a group of competitors that you focus on each um, depending how many there is in the actual show um, and you have to write the feedback uh, during the finals so not during the judging round um, so for that we give them sheets but in the UK we don't do that um, but I think UK definitely your best option is to go home send through um, whatever feedback form the federation are suggesting um, and then those pictures will go to the judges um, I've had to do loads and loads and loads over the, the last year um, so that then gives us you know right there and then we can review your physique through the stage photos not through your last check-in photos or your pre-stage photos your on stage they have to be your on stage photos as you can't give the exact feedback that they probably want and they need um but yeah f feedback definitely you know send your picture them okay cool so when it comes to like bikini diva obviously that's next fitness model sort of style figure mm -hmm. like do you find in each category there's certain like there's general like feedback that you treat that you give for all categories like for example figure a lot of figure people need to bring up x or bikini a lot of people need to work on y do you find that's that's the case or do you find it's like completely the opposite i think obviously there's specifics depending on on criteria um so so when it comes to like figure you are really really looking for that x frame so that is a big one that that w does come out a lot when you're giving feedback um and just proportions and balance but before you are judged on stage for all of those things proportions balance um overall presentation and conditioning and things like that but obviously the conditioning depends on the cri uh, the criteria so it d depends on the bikini diva figure whatever um so i think to me feedback is really personal um, and whenever i give feedback it's not just like you know be more bikini <laughs> you know it's very specific to their their actual physique on and what i believe they could bring up and um what i actually believe will get them that higher placing that's that's the aim mm -hmm say you're really stuck between first and second usually obviously you're not you're talking just from yourself here you're not talking for anyone mm -hmm. else or any federation like but what for you what would push someone from first to second or what would push someone from first call outs to not even getting a place in what are the general things do you usually find will kind of tip people over is it a case that sometimes like I, I've done this myself. You stick into one pose, and you're scared to move the pose in case if you move that cut pose, it moves you down those rankings. So, like, being on both sides, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think there's been loads of scenarios where you know first and second have been very, very close. Um, I think that goes for for most shows, um, especially nowadays, since everyone's bringing up their game. It, it can literally be, like you said, one tiny thing. Um, which is again personal opinion that that switches first second or second first mm. um, but for me um, say their physiques are both perfect criteria and um, 
their posing is on point and then it will just be down to those fine fine details that would be in their maybe conditioning for the criteria or um or like, like their posing it can be down to those those tiny things um with bodybuilding shows it's never going to be down to their to their shoes or or their makeup or their hair but you know it is going to be down to to right okay you've got to look head to toe for specifics that you're looking for and make sure they tick every single box and it can be really 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 challenging um honestly there's been some times where you you physically can't pick um but you have to be really really picky <laughs> I think that's why I'm good at it because I'm picky <laughs> like have you had situations I don't know I remember looking um not looking I remember being at the two grocer mouth and chatting to their one of their head judges um things mm. cool but I might be completely wrong there um and I remember saying to him, like, have you ever had someone on stage that, like, looks too blingy or just completely overdoes it? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, have you found that yourself? I guess the overall presentation and appearance and all that sort of thing. Like, what sort of things have you thought, oh, that's worked quite well? Or other times you're thinking, God, they've just gone way too far with this and it's completely thrown them off. Yeah, I think... People get a little bit struck off um, off chord when it comes to like the diva categories and things like that. Obviously, it's bringing your personality to stage. And if your personality is more kind of eccentric, big poses, things like that, that can sometimes come across as a little bit too much. Um, if you're flinging your arms around and uh, there is there is kind of a limitation to it. Um, and you've just got to make sure that everything you're doing looks good on your body. I know like for instance you know me ballet dancing doesn't look good on my body so <laughs> you know that's just a that's just a scenario you but I enjoy it I, I'll still do it every so often but it doesn't look great on my body um but it's the same when it comes to posing maybe there's a pose that you've seen on someone else that, that you absolutely love and then you do it with your physique and it, it it's just not the same um so yeah I think you can definitely be a little bit over the top in in some situations and it's just reining that back in and make sure everything is uh, perfect or as perfect as it can be um and then when it comes to kind of accessories and things like that i think same thing it's personal preference for a lot of people of what they want to add but if you're going crazy with headbands and tiaras and and you want to be blinged head to toe sometimes it can actually take away from your physique then add to it and i think I think you did a really good post once about, you know, matching like your earrings and your Mm. bracelets and your rings and your shoes. And just so it all falls into place, because I think that's really important when you're looking at when you're looking at anything, whether that's a piece of artwork, whether it's a physique, whether it's um, a person's outfit, if everything matches and it looks nice and it blends and it, it suits them, then they look more comfortable from your point of uh, from your point of view so I think it's important to one practice your look for stage day um, and also get an opinion on it yeah definitely because what looks good to you sometimes (laughs) does not look good to other people and that's just that's just people's opinions but that is what bodybuilding at the end of the day is is isn't it 
Exactly. And that is exactly what it is. Um, I think the reason why I put that, created that post in the first place is I was, I remember when I first started, I was like, oh, do I wear like the four and five? Oh, well, she's doing that. So I guess that's what the Federation wants and blah, blah, blah. And it is personal preference. And I think those finer details these days, I'm not going to say they're going to switch first to second, but they might bloody well have, that might help to some degree if you're presenting that overall flow and presentation. I think I have seen people go for jewellery that is just way too blingy. And yeah. it's just going, for example, they've gone for like a Zara, which is like super thick and their hair's thin. I'm like, oh, like it's a tiny detail. But as you say, when you're being picky, if they would have gone for something a bit more streamlined, it might suit them so much better. Yeah, it might fall in, fall into place better. Um... And that comes to like your fit of your bikini and things like that as well. You know, the fit can actually bring out your lat or not bring out your lat. If it's, if it's hitting you in the wrong place, it could literally hide that muscle that you've worked so hard to try and show off. And if, if your bikini doesn't fit right, it's those little details are actually really, really important. Um, and that's why with like my posing girls and things like that, I always do a pre-show run where they wear their bikini, they wear their earrings, they wear their, their wrists, um, they wear their bracelets, they wear their rings, they have their hair exactly how they're going to have on show day. They have the shoes that they're going to wear on show day, which I think some people do not do. Um, <laughs> but even those those little details you need to practice in everything and be ready for every scenario I remember one show where I hadn't um practiced in my stage bikini the one I was going to wear on stage and my hair got stuck as I moved my hair around my hair got stuck in the in the tie up of my bikini because I hadn't practiced that scenario and um, I think with me, again, going back to being a dancer, I can hide things really well on stage yeah. because I've had that experience of making mistakes on stage. But for someone, say, like a first-timer, that's going to really throw them off. Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to do something and you get stuck, um, that's going to literally... And you'll go off stage and you'll be like, oh, what if I just, what if I just did that? And what if I just did that? Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to practice head-to-toe everything before you step on that stage. Definitely. I think with um, earrings as well, you're, sometimes people aren't used to flipping your hair when you've got that <laughs> in between you. And if you're doing shoes as well and you're buying like two sets, for example, you've got a Diamante pair then you're using your plain pair. If you haven't really practiced in your Diamante heels or your stage heels, for example, that plastic might not be kind of well softened up yet. Um, yeah. which might feel a little bit uncomfortable yes you might be wearing and practicing without well, well while you're wearing socks but when you get closer you need to stop practicing without those socks now because your socks mm -hmm. aren't going to be on stage unless you want your feet to look like <laughs> can you imagine so I just rolls up with socks like yo that'd be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but it's very true though and it's little things that people don't actually think about and it's stuff that I didn't think about when I first started at all um so yeah i think it definitely is handy mm -hmm. definitely definitely so going forward then obviously we don't know what's going on with shows this year um what was your initial plans and what i don't know if they have changed at all like what are your feelers at the moment and what have you been saying to competitors as well so you coach competitors yourself so what sort of things are you thinking and what sort of things have you been telling your clients as well 
Right. So at the end of last year, um, they announced the Worlds, which I was re-invited back to, and they announced it for September, which originally I couldn't do because I was going on a family holiday. Um, <laughs> and then they switched it. I think it was early this year. They were like, right, no, it's going back to back to November and back where it normally is. Um, so then I was like, yes, I'm, I'm going to do it again. I need to get that first place because um, <laughs> I've been second for the last two years, um, which is great. And I'm so proud of myself for that, that achievement. But you do have that like, oh, I know I do. I have that, that urge to, to want to achieve that title. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as well, right now i i'm a bit up and down obviously because of this this whole situation going on right now um it's given me a lot of insight of what what really matters um right now and you know i was lucky enough to to go out to america and um do that judging and um achieve like my qualification and that's opened a lot of doors uh, especially as that federation is expanding in europe and things like that after all this <laughs> has passed um, so yeah i've been given a few opportunities have come my way um regarding that i won't go into it too much because i don't know exactly the plan of action right now um but yeah i think right now i'm not sure personally whether i will step on that world stage again i know i will step on stage again um I have an urge always to go back to fitness, real, real fitness modelly shows. I always have that urge. And um, there is one federation, which I won't name, which I would love to do, but I can't afford. Oh, no, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I just can't afford it. Maybe one day I'll be able to afford it, but right now I can't afford it. Um, but yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too sure um, right now, but I don't think anyone is in this situation and um, I had five girls who were supposed to compete in the next coming weeks uh two of which were supposed to do this weekend which I'm I'm actually really thankful for that the federation decided very very last minute but they actually decided to not do the show um in the grand scheme of things um it's been hard for all of them especially those who were literally a week out and they got the news mm-hmm. um, but in in a wider perspective three of my girls were first timers that were about to compete and this has been the best re-body composition phase they could ever have because I know from personal experience and I'm sure you know you get better with every single show that you do and even though they didn't get to step on stage they literally basically completed their prep and brought the package that they wanted to Um, and now we can reverse them out really really well from that and actually when they come back and they do still do a first timer show they're not really going to be first timers yeah because they've had that whole dedicated and spot-on experience (laughs) yeah and now they're going to step on stage and they're going to be oh some of them like honestly they are I'm so proud of them all but um they are going to be ones to watch um and then for my um veteran competitors as such those have stepped on stage a lot (laughs) I'm going to call it veteran (laughs) is that a word I think it is (laughs) (laughs) but um 
yeah so they've obviously got it's been it's been hard I don't think there's any way of um else of putting it and I know a lot of competitors from just doing their posing and and things like that that are in the same scenario they were a few weeks out and and if you've done a show before it's going to be really hard because regardless you've dedicated those 12 weeks to that 12 14 16 20 weeks to that one goal and that doesn't include off seasons and things like that um but the goal isn't over it's just postponed is what i've said um and there will always be the opportunities to step on stage um, and right now that's that's how it's going to be um, and we've just got to be grateful that we we have the choice um, of what we eat just as we are when we're in our prep it's basically what we're doing now we have the choice we're lucky to have that choice and have that ability to be able to compete how lucky are we to have the funds and have the training and have have this goal we're, we're so so lucky to have that and I think this scenario that's going on right now should put that into perspective mm-hmm. of how lucky we are to be able to choose choose something to dedicate and and progress towards um just I think everything right now is becoming a lot more grateful to people um, you you are appreciating those tiny little things that we take for granted every day um, i think a massive shift and me and joe have been talking about this i kind of feel like it's i feel like the world has kind of needed we needed to kind of reset a little mm. bit i think all of us needed to be brought down a peg or two um, yeah and yeah i i do i do completely agree with all of that um and these first timers mate they're gonna look in even more insane like yeah god when i saw everyone doing their first show nominations i would just put mine up i thought oh my god this is yeah i know <laughs> um, but uh, i can't wait to see that f- the first time the shows when yeah. they do they do come around they're gonna be oh so crazy it'll be so so crazy but you know like i said the goal the goal for all of them has not changed it has just been postponed and we are just taking it just like we've done a show we're going to come out of it healthily um and and then ride back into it when the time comes sounds good sounds good babe well i think we'll wrap it up here i think we've just got to about an hour which i think is always perfect timing um but thank you so so much for coming on uh, one last question i hope you know what's coming um what makes you not just a bikini girl apart from everything else that you have mentioned oh tricky one isn't that <laughs> I love this one because I can just I love seeing people's faces on the other side going, oh shit. <laughs> Not just a bikini girl. Uh, so I um I absolutely love climbing. So I don't post it too much, but I am there pretty much every week or climbing something, whether that's a tree or a climbing frame. I love being upside down. I love being up really really high with no support and I'm not talking climbing like rope and things I'm just talking climbing things freehand so bouldering um you've been doing that for two years two years but I used to do a lot of aerial when I was a dancer I used to do lots of um hoop and silks and rope and stuff like that so I, I missed that in a way and I couldn't 
get to classes and things because of my personal training job I work a lot of evenings so and most classes are in the evenings so yeah I, I found an absolute passion for bouldering and just climbing up things I just I'm such a monkey Fuck. <laughs> that's me I'm a bikini girl and a monkey I love it <laughs> next time um everyone comes down to Northampton I'm thinking we should do like a team gathering at this like climbing facility and I'll just be like Abby show us the ropes <laughs> Yes, that, that, and puppy yoga. I should about to say, puppy yoga, like, you need to put, like, a highlight on your Insta now with puppy yoga so everyone can go through that, because I was so yeah. jealous. It was ridiculous. It was the best day. It was honestly the best day. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on, babe. Um, thank you to everyone who has got this far. Make sure you like, subscribe, all that other fun stuff. Um, are you still doing one-to-one -one posing at the moment or like in terms of style? Um, yeah and so I'm transitioning now I didn't beforehand because I didn't own a laptop um, but I am transitioning now onto Skype Skype posing so cool lovely so we'll put all of Abby's details in the episode notes wherever they are whichever phone and whatever you use and yeah we'll see you all in the next episode